Hey, thank you, Dan, for that beautiful worship. I love that song. It uh, brings courage to our heart that Christ is our champion. Listen, want to give a warm welcome again to everyone watching across our family, church congregations. So glad you can be with us this morning for this very special um, Kids Church Graduation Sunday. But also to our online church family that have joined us on this journey of lockdown and are tuning in every Sunday now. want to just say it's a privilege to have you with us. We're so thankful that you've made Family Church your church during this time and uh, you're being enriched and fed through what we're doing with our online broadcast. So massive welcome to everyone. I um, want to speak today on the subject of seeing Jesus for who he is. Really want to stay in theme uh, with celebrating the children of Family Church today because that's what we've been doing. We've been celebrating our children because we believe that they're a key part of today's church. You know, often when you hear people speak of children, they say, oh, the children of a church of tomorrow. Well, we don't believe that. We believe that, yes, the children of a church of tomorrow, but also our children are a part of the church, who we are today. And we really love to take a moment to celebrate them. Uh, Jesus always celebrated children too. I want to read this morning from Matthew 19 and just stay a little bit in theme with our kids' church graduation as we consider how Jesus celebrated and loved the children, specifically when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago. And we see this moment where Jesus actually gives his disciples a good telling off or a good roasting when they try and keep the children from coming to him. Must have been a crowded environment, must have been a moment where adults were everywhere, but there was a moment where the children were to come to Jesus. And for some reason, the disciples felt it was their job to almost prevent or stop this happening. And we see in these verses, Jesus turns around and says, no, don't ever do that. So in Matthew 19, uh, we read in verse 13, then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray, them, pray for them and bless them. But the disciples, thinking they were like bouncers or crowd control, the disciples rebuked those who were bringing the kids and the kids that were coming. But Jesus turned around and said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, they went on out from that place. I love those words that as the children were coming and people tried to prevent the children coming, Jesus said, no, don't ever prevent the children from coming because the kingdom of God, you see, belongs to such as these. It's interesting that maybe we today don't physically uh, prevent children from coming to Jesus like the bouncers that were the disciples in that time. But I believe there's also sometimes non-physical ways of preventing children from coming to Jesus. And that's not allowing them to become aware of him, not teaching our children how wonderful Jesus is, um, not taking the time and the effort to let our children see Jesus, especially in this time in which we're living. We're actually in this moment of life we're in. We desperately need more than ever for our children to have real encounters with Jesus that will mark and change their lives forever. That's where, again, I'm so thankful for our kids teams, everyone that serves in our kids teams across our congregations, because you're doing the opposite of preventing children from coming to Jesus. You're actually laying the pathway and making a way for kids to encounter 
and meet Jesus for themselves. Every time we do church, you know, when we're meeting together or even with our online services, every time, hey, if you're a kids worker in Families Church, every time you do something um, in that role of being a kids worker or a kids pastor, you are actually enabling children that God celebrates to come to experience him and know him more. In fact, when we watch the way that children are with Jesus, I believe that we can learn a lot. You see, when, when they meet Jesus, there's no agenda. It's pure. Whenever you see a child encounter Jesus in kids' church or in any way, really, there's always such a purity and there's no agenda. They're not meeting him because. They're not meeting him because they want this or they need that. They just want to meet and encounter him. Now, I believe that sometimes when we get a little bit older, our approach can become less pure or tainted by different agendas that we may have. That's why it's good for us to do what Jesus said and to always look at children as a correct way of approaching him. Let's look at another verse in the book of Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 18. So just flip back one page. And I'm going to start reading in verse one, because we see again here, Jesus talking about the importance of the relationship that children have with him, but also his encouragement to us who have grown up and got older to never lose our childlike approach to knowing him and understanding him. Now, notice I didn't say childish. I said childlike. When we read these verses, Jesus isn't saying to grown-ups, be childish. He's saying, be childlike. Don't lose that innocence, that purity, that desire for just wanting him in our approach to coming with him. And I'm going to read in verse one. It says here, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had them stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children. Can you hear what Jesus is saying there? They wanted to know who would be greatest in the kingdom. He said, listen, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become just like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Then he continues on and says, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. So that's encouraging, isn't it, for our kids' church workers? Every time you welcome a little child, Jesus says you're welcoming him. But then he goes on to warn if anyone causes any one of his little ones uh, to, who believe in me to sin, it's better that they would have a large millstone around their neck um, and be drowned in the depth of a sea rather than take responsibility for that. So big warning there that we should always um, really be leading the kids to know him more, never holding them back and never doing anything that would cause our children, not just our own children, but any children to be drawn into sin in any way. But it's that first part I love when Jesus says, listen, if you want to be great in the kingdom, if you want to come into the kingdom, if you want to know um, the life of the kingdom in your life, it's simple. Just become childlike 
in your approach to me and your approach to everything about me. Now, there's many comparisons that we can draw on when we think of the difference between a child's approach to Jesus and our approach when we get a little bit older, a little bit more know-it-all. And a couple of those would be their simple faith. You know, whenever you say to a child, you know, oh, just believe this, they're often so free from some of the rubbish that stops us just simply believing. There's that childlike, simple faith. Listen, when we're walking with the Lord or, or, or living lives that want to follow Jesus, we need to be like children in our faith. Whatever he says, we just simply believe it. Also, I believe there's a great comparison in their innocence and their vulnerability. They're not looking uh, to be caught out. They're not looking um, for what's missing or what's not real. They just say simply, Jesus, if that's what you say, listen, I'm going to innocently and, and vulnerably just go, absolutely. We need to all become more vulnerable, more childlike when it comes to our walk with Jesus. Non-skeptical. It's amazing, it's only as the years go by and different experiences happen, stuff goes right, stuff goes wrong. We move from being like children where there's no skepticism to becoming skeptics. Ah, yeah, what about this? Ah, yeah, what about that? Ah, I've seen it all before. Yeah, yeah, I've been around the block a few times now. Do you know how long I've been in church? Yeah, I've heard. We become skeptics. And actually, uh, skepticism can rob us from the receiving from Jesus. Because to be a skeptic is just, it's got a bad attitude to it. But children are never skeptic unless they're taught to be. They just simply, when they hear Jesus, back in this day, when Jesus said to these children then and now, this is who I am, this is what I'm gonna do for you. The children just said, okay, Lord, because you said it, Jesus, it will be. Come on, there's an encouragement this morning for us all to be not childish, but childlike in our walk with the Lord. And you can see in these verses in chapter 18 that Jesus actually encourages it. He doesn't say grow up and be boring, grow up and become rusty and skeptic and bitter and twisted. He said, no, if you want to live in kingdom life, look at the children, look at their purity, their innocence, their non-skeptical um, way of living. Be like them and you'll get more than what you ever dreamed. But the key comparison for me when I look at the way that children relate to Jesus, how these children related to Jesus, and sometimes how we as adults relate to Jesus, the key thing or the key difference for me would be this. Now listen to this statement. Children saw him for and wanted him for who he was. So when we read about these children, the children there saw him for who he was and they wanted him for who he was. But often with us, we see him for what we need or what we think or want him to be. And that can be the massive difference between the relationship a child has with Christ and the relationship that we as adults may have with him. You see, when these children saw Jesus, they just wanted him for who he was. They didn't want him for what he could do for them. They didn't want him because of what they thought he should be. But that's what adults can so often do, isn't it? Jesus, I want you to be like this. 
Jesus, I want you so that you can do this for me. Jesus, I want you so that you can be what I think you should be. We need to cross from that way of thinking to just being childlike, not childish, childlike and saying, you know what, Jesus, like a child, I just want to see you and know you for who you really are. You know, when we do that, we remove some of the filters that stop us actually seeing him for who he is. Because as adults, if we've got these filters, this is who we think you should be. This is what we believe you should be doing. This is what we think you are. Those filters, if they're wrong or partially correct, can actually damage or affect the way we see Jesus for who he is. Now, we can often have a lot of these agendas, can't we? And even preconceived ideas. Well, I think Jesus is this, and I think Jesus came to do that, and I think Jesus is all about this. The reality is, whatever you think Jesus is, or he represents, or he came to do, you're wrong. You know one bit of him, but he's so much more than what you know or you've yet discovered. Yes, he's a God of justice, but he's also a God of a lot more than just justice. The Bible says his throne is built upon justice and righteousness. But we need to understand that's one attribute of who he is. And if we just want him to be justice Jesus, he is justice Jesus, but he's also a lot more than justice Jesus. He's also loving Jesus, patient Jesus, kind Jesus, miracle Jesus. Come on, we need to just lay down the lens that we think he should be this, to see him in a childlike way for all that he really is. It was the same, wasn't it, in the day that he walked the earth. Um, many people in that day had preconceived ideas of who he was, what he should be, what he should have been. People often in the crowd, the Jewish crowd, the people that he came, those who he called his people, often missed him in the crowd because he wasn't what they were looking for. Come on, let's make sure that in a childlike way, we never miss Jesus when he's in the crowd or in the room in that context because he doesn't look like we think he should look or he doesn't do what we think he should do. This was one of the problems for the Jewish people back in the day where Jesus physically walked the earth. He came for the Jewish people. They were his people. You know, the children of Abraham, the, the nation of Israel. They'd received many promises of a coming Messiah. But how sad that when the Messiah came, many of them couldn't see him. Why? because he didn't look like they thought he should look. He didn't do what they thought he should do. You see, many people in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish nation, the people of Israel missed the coming of Messiah because he didn't fit into the boxes that they thought he should be contained in. We can do that today, can't we? Sometimes we can have agendas of what, God should be and preconceived ideas of what God can be and Jesus should be. And again, often none of them are wrong. They're just merely one attribute or one aspect 
of a much bigger, fuller God. Oh, we've got to be like children that are always saying, Lord, I've discovered one part of you. Now I want to discover more of you. Lord, reveal more of who you are to me. Reveal the bits of who you are to me that I've not yet discovered. Let me not be somebody that fashions you into what I think you should be. Because when we do that, we're no different to the children of Israel that we read about in Exodus 24. Remember when Moses was at the top of a mountain encountering God in his fullness and going, whoa, wow, bigger than I ever thought. Meanwhile, at the bottom of that same mountain, the children of Israel had melted down their earrings and they'd fashioned God into the God they wanted God to be. And they were dancing around this golden calf. What they'd basically done is said, we're not going to pursue God in his fullness. This is the God we want. He will be convenient. He will go where we go. He will like what we like. Listen, God was never in the golden calf. And God is never in the idols that we make God to be. He remains God. And we have the incredible opportunity, whether we're children or adults, to live a life of pursuing a fuller understanding of who he is. Let's go back to the nation of Israel and that moment when Jesus walked the earth. Like I said, it's a sad thing that both then and now, Jewish people missed the Messiah who would come because he didn't look like what they thought he should look like. What did some of them think he should look like? Well, when we read through the Gospels, we see that a whole bunch of Jewish people that were God's people, this nation of Israel, couldn't see Jesus when he was in the room with them because they were looking for a warrior Messiah. They believed that when Jesus would come, he would overthrow Rome. He would would remove the Roman rule and empire. So their preconceived idea of Jesus that made them miss him when he was in the room was he was this warrior character. But instead, this guy turns up who's a humble servant. So they're waiting for King Jesus or warrior Jesus, overthrow Caesar, the Roman empire. And they're looking for him. Meanwhile, right in front of them is God. But because he's a humble, loving servant, they couldn't perceive or see him correctly. Others, there's many examples we could use. Others were waiting for a ruling king like David. Oh, when Jesus returns, the prophets have prophesied that the Messiah will come. He will save us. He will be like King David. He'll take his throne here on earth. So again, they're busy looking for this coming king, this ruler that will overthrow everything in this life. And they miss the point that his throne is in heaven. They miss the point that when the prophet said that the Messiah, the anointed one was coming and he will save you. He wasn't speaking about saving them from the Romans. He was speaking about saving them from their sins. But they got so consumed and preoccupied with this coming Jesus and how he would save them from Roman rule, again, they missed the point. They were sincere, but they were sincerely wrong. We get a glimpse of this 
in Acts 1, verse 6, even after Jesus had died before their eyes and risen, but not yet ascended, we read in Acts 1, verse 6, that the disciples come to him in his risen condition, conquered the grave, conquered death. And the first thing that they say to him, because this was their preconditioned thinking, was, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were still thinking of a ruler coming and overthrowing natural government and rule. And they were missing the point of who he was, who he now was, and what he was indeed doing in the forgiving of the sin of man. Others thought him to be a prophet, so they missed him again when he was standing right in front of them. Some thought that when Jesus came, he would be like Elijah, calling down fire from heaven, or Moses in all that, in that splendor of the glow of the Shekinah of God coming down with the tablets of law for what happens next. And they were so busy looking for a Jesus or a Messiah that looked like Elijah or Moses. They missed the point that he was among them. In his normality, in his humility, in his wonderful, just beautiful servitude attitude, they couldn't conceive that maybe this was God expressing himself fully. Interesting thoughts, eh? Even his cousin John got confused. Now, when we read about John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, we need to remember that John the Baptist was actually a relative of Jesus. He was a cousin. And John the Baptist, the Bible says, was the forerunner of Jesus. He came to make straight the paths, make way the path straight for the coming of the Messiah. John knew that this was Jesus. You know, there's that moment when they were both in the womb of their mothers that when they met, they jumped. There was a knowing of who they were. We read through the moments where John baptizes Jesus and then says of Jesus, he will baptize you with spirit and fire. But then there comes this moment where John gets a little bit confused. And it says in Luke 7, 19, he sends a messenger to Jesus and says, are you the one or should we expect another? Oh, come on, John. You know who Jesus is. You know this is him. Why was John confused? Because, again, what Jesus was doing didn't register with what he thought he should be doing. In John, again, I think there was this overthrow Rome, take down the Roman Empire. And suddenly he sees Jesus hanging out with the kids, loving on people, healing people that are sick, restoring people that are broken, meeting um, adulterous people and bringing them into wholeness in their life. You see, the destination wasn't a confusing to John. It was the journey. He thought that Jesus would look or act different to what he'd preconceived he would be. Good lessons for us in this, eh? People could not see beyond their self-made boxes. But children can, you see, because when children come to Jesus, they're not looking for him to be what they want him to be. They're not looking for him to fit in the boxes that they've provided for him to be Jesus. They just simply say, we want you. We want you. We want to know you. We want to know you for who you are. I believe that's what Jesus is encouraging us to be like when he says to us as adults, come like children, be innocent, non-skeptical, 
ready to discover who I really am. You see, Jesus never made an effort to fit into the boxes that people wanted him to fit into. He didn't turn around and go, oh, sorry, um, I came as a servant king, but I, I need to be a little bit more violent. I need to be a little bit more demonstrative. I need to go and have an appointment with Rome and we need to... I, he never said that because he knew he wasn't wrong. Why? Because he knew who he was and he knew what he'd come to do. He was comfortable simply and wonderfully being himself. Just being himself. So I suppose the question is, who was himself? You see, who was Jesus? Jesus was God on earth. He didn't need to prove anything. He was the creator of all things. You see, Jesus was God on earth. God come down to dwell amongst us. Jesus was the full expression and total manifestation of everything that God the Father was and is. Anything you needed to know about God, you only had to watch Jesus or listen to Jesus. It's the same for us today as we read through the Gospels. When we read about how Jesus acted and treated people, what Jesus taught, we're not just hearing the words of Jesus. At the same moment, we're hearing the words of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus walked the earth, he didn't need to fit into anyone's little box of what he should be because he was God here now on earth. Let me read to you a verse from Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9 that says this in a wonderful way. Speaking of Jesus, it says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Sometimes we see Jesus as just a representative of heaven. And he's really not. When Jesus walked the earth, he was the fullness of the deity of God in bodily form. Everything you could ever need to know about God, you could see in Jesus. Let me just add a caveat to that. If you were looking. If you were living in the preconceived of he needs to be this, he needs to stand for this, this is what he needs to, uh, you would have missed who he actually was. But who he actually was, was the fullness of God now on the earth. I love that. Everything you wanted to know about God, you could see in Jesus. Not one aspect. You would see things like justice, but you would also, if you watched him, see love, kindness, mercy, patience, joy, peace. Everything that Jesus did when he walked on the earth was a complete manifestation and display of his father also. That's why we need to make sure that we don't box him in to one attribute. We need to make sure that we don't make him a Jesus that stands for this. Because in doing that, we can actually make an idol out of the issue we care about by making God everything about that issue instead of letting him be the fuller God that is just 
but he's also loving, kind. You know, I've really been blessed this last week or so. I finally got round to watching a series that's free on YouTube and other platforms called The Chosen. It's the biggest, I believe, a crowdfunding project that was put on just to show again that story of the life of Jesus. If you've not yet watched The Chosen, um, we watched it on YouTube, but you can watch it on, on different platforms. I really encourage you to do so. It blessed me so much. What blessed me? Just watching again the way that they portrayed Jesus, who he was and how he lived. It's beautiful. It really is. And actually, it affected me in a really profound way. Because as I was watching this series called The Chosen about Jesus, I suddenly was reminded again how kind he was. How kind he was. That Jesus was kind. Why? Because God is kind. That Jesus was merciful. Why? Because God is merciful. Jesus was loving. Even when people treated him wrong, he only ever manifested from his life love towards them. And I was kind of a little bit jump-started again and found myself out praying the next day saying, thank you, Jesus. Forgive me there, Lord. I forgot how kind you were. I forgot how loving you were. I forgot how merciful you are. I forgot, Lord, for a moment how patient you are. There's brilliant scenes within The Chosen just that reveal that God's character was revealed in Christ. There's that miracle moment where Peter brings in the large catch of fish. And I don't know where I was at before, but I kind of imagined, I suppose, Jesus standing on the beach watching going, well, there you go. But in this adaption or this portrayal of Jesus, he's on the beach and he's laughing as Peter's bringing the fish into the boat and all of his debts are being cancelled and the fishermen are being called. You see this beautiful image of Jesus on the beach laughing and laughing. And you saw for a moment again that God's character, not just his ways, but his character is fully revealed in and through his son, who is the fullness of God on earth for us to see. We're very narrow-minded as Christians and we need to be. We believe that only one road leads to the Father. I'll say that when it's politically correct and when it's not, because it's true. In a world that says all roads lead to God, I want to say that's not true. One road leads to God and that road is Jesus Christ. One person revealed the fullness of God when he walked the earth, and that was Jesus, then, now, and forever. So we need to become more childlike, lay down our filters and our preconceived ideas of who we think he is and what he stands for, and Jesus is all about this, and this is what Jesus cares about, as if he doesn't care about anything else. It's rubbish. It's a partial view of a full God. Let's be like children that say, yeah, we've discovered this attribute of him. But now let's let that attribute be complemented by every other attribute that makes him who he is. We want to see him for who he is. Today, we have crowds of people and people's opinions and people's portrayals of him. I want to encourage you, as I encourage myself, to be seeking him always for who he is. Let, let him be revealing his fullness to you because he is to the children because they're living without filters. Again, let me encourage you. 
you know, if you're watching a load of junk on Netflix and that stuff, just invest a moment to watch that series, The Chosen. Now, I believe I watch series one and there's series two that's coming, but I really want to endorse it publicly. Why? Because I think what the makers of that, um, that series created was a really, really good view of the character and the personality of a God of love, of a God who cares, a God that does care about justice, but actually prefers mercy over judgment. So I want to encourage you, you know, watch that. I suppose we all need to be like the Greeks that are mentioned in John 12, 21. It says that there was a moment where Jesus was teaching somewhere and all of a sudden some Greeks who were non-Jews, they came and they tapped on the shoulders of the disciples and they asked this question. I love this statement. Please, sir, let us see Jesus for ourselves. I love that. They'd heard about him. They'd heard people's projections or portrayals of him. But these Greeks came and they had one earnest question in their heart. And I believe that this needs to be the question that's in our hearts. Please, sir, let us please see Jesus for ourselves. I believe that when we do see Jesus in his fullness, not what people say he is alone, but who he is as he reveals himself to us, we're changed. And a world can be a changed because when we see him for who he is, then we can be like him. And when we choose to see him and be like him, then the world gets to see him in us. You know, the reality of our evangelism or our soul winning is simply this. We need to be ever committed to be Christ-like, not like the Christ we want him to be, like the Christ he is. And as we commit our lives to become more and more like him, he dwells and expresses himself more and more in us and through us. And as he expresses himself in us and through us, the world actually gets to see Jesus in the lives of people like you and me. But if we just take that one attribute of who we think God is and say, this is him, this is him, all they see is a partial view. I love it when Jesus says, as I am, so are you on the earth. The only way we're going to be him on the earth is if we just keep that childlike passion and approach in our pursuit. Lord, others have told me about you. Others have revealed bits of you to me. But that's not enough. Lord, no one's going to prevent me coming to you daily to know you more. You know, even Paul, after pursuing God passionately for the years he did, had that almost final statement in his heart when he said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know God. What was Paul saying? I want to still know him, discover attributes of him that I've never yet discovered. So I just want to encourage you today. Let's not be childish. There's too many people acting childish. Let's be childlike. Let's love the bits of God that we found and we've discovered. But let's not let them or allow them to stop us pursuing him to discover him further. Let's not approach God like the Jews did, wanting him to be something we want him to be. 
but rather let's just come with the innocence of children. Lord, I've, I've known you in part. Keep showing me who you are. Because as you reveal who you are to me, I am forever changed. I hope that spoke to your heart today. I believe it's a message not just for our kids, but for us kids that have grown up into being adults. Let's keep a childlike, pure, innocent, easy, non-skeptical drive in our pursuit of him. If you're watching today and you've never given your life to him, you can start a journey with Jesus today. Just as when Jesus came by the seashore and said to the fishermen, hey, drop what you're doing, come and follow me. Just as when he said to Matthew, the tax collector, that's not going to keep you happy, come and follow me. Those men in those moments made the decision, we're going to be followers of Jesus. And their lives were never the same again. It's the same for us today. Jesus still stands today at the door of your life and he knocks. He stands at the seashore of your moment of finding him, the tax booth of your opportunity, and says, come and follow me and I will make you what you never believed your life could be. What I love about Jesus is he's never forceful. He never forcefully recruits. He always gives the opportunity. In the Bible, we see some followed him, but others like the rich young ruler said, no, I love the things I've got more. Sorry, but thanks. How about you today? Do you want to know who God is? Do you want to discover God for yourself beyond what others have shared to you he is? Do you want to find him? One prayer, one prayer will start that journey. I'm going to pray it now and I'm just going to pray for you, on behalf of you, whether you've known God and you've lost your way and you're coming back today or whether you've never had a relationship with him, but you want to begin one today. When I say amen at the end, if that's you, just say amen. And when you do, the prayer that I've prayed becomes your prayer. Heaven's heard it. And in that moment, you're no longer separated, but you're his. Heavenly Father, thank you that your fullness was revealed in and through Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you were the fullness of the deity, the Godhead, bodily. But when we look at you, Jesus, when we read about you, Jesus, we see the fullness of the Trinity and the Godhead expressed completely. Lord, we've all found you in part, but we're desperate to see you more. Like the Greeks, Lord, we cry, Please, sir, let me see Jesus. Not people's portrayals of you, Lord. You, our hearts are desperate to find you for ourselves. Lord, today we acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. To give us a brand new life. Forgiveness of sin over who we were and a brand new beginning over who we now are in you. We receive what you've done for us on the cross today, Lord. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you just say that word, amen. And as you do, the Bible says that you are now saved. You now belong to God. We'd love to stay in contact with you. And if you prayed that prayer or came back to God today, would you just write me an email and let me know? Andy at family.church. We've got a little booklet we'd love to send you if you'll do that. We're so thankful 
for every person that's listening today. And I pray that the message has blessed your heart. I pray seeing the kids worship God and love on God has blessed your heart. I pray everything that we've done in our time together has enriched your hunger to know him more. Listen, God is waiting today for you to find him in ways you've never found him before. Listen, we're going to say God bless and get on with your day and your week now. But also, if you're a part of Family Church, um, we're going to now play just a video that was compiled by parents of children that have been through Kids Church. It just says thank you again to Philippa for all that she's done. Um, though we're closing the show and the broadcast right now, um, if you want to stick around and watch that, we'd love you to as well. See you next week, same time, same place for online church. God bless.